Welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Linton podcast, coming to you from the Goat Locker Studio in Sevierville, Tennessee. Be sure and check us out and like us on Facebook and Instagram, and follow us on Telegram, as well as on the website of libertyleadershipandlies.com. Now, on to the episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of Liberty, Leadership, and Lies. This week's topic is going to be lies. As I've stated in an earlier episode, this entire podcast could all be about the lies the aristocracy tell us each and every day. But today, we're going to explore the lies we are told so the aristocracy can get themselves elected. Thank you to those subscribers of the blog and the followers on Facebook that answered the call to action I put out last Sunday. For those of you that don't follow either the webpage or the social media accounts, I asked the audience to email me some lies the aristocracy told during their campaigns to get their votes. It turned out to be quite a list, let me tell you. If you don't follow the podcast on social media or subscribe to the blog, please do so. I share a lot of information there, a lot of thoughts on where our government's going and what we can do to prevent it from going there. We need to work together to restore and secure our constitutional republic for our children and our grandchildren and all future generations. As always, I would like to encourage each of you that are enjoying this podcast and social media pages that you share them with your family, friends, co-workers, and neighbors. The best and fastest way to contact the show is to email me directly. That email address is larry at libertyleadershipandlies.com. Again, that's larry at libertyleadershipandlies.com. Liberty, Leadership, and Lies is all one word, no spacing. If you're a new listener, of course, I always invite you to provide me with some feedback. I received some awesome feedback from last week's interview with AJ. She is quite the patriot. She is definitely involved in trying to improve our government here at the state. It was only a 30-minute show, so we couldn't cover down on all of my positions. But should I get into the arena of elected office... I will definitely let everyone know where I stand on every issue. I am not a fence-sitter, nor will I give a typical non-answer answer to questions like many of the aristocracy do today. I'm very blunt. I get to the point. I give you my point of view, and then we can discuss it. Also, if you're interested in about where I stand on any issue that wasn't covered, go ahead and email me. I'll get back to you on those as well. Before we get into the topic this week, I'd like you to hear from one of the supporters of this podcast. Mrs. A.J. DePriest is the director of Proposal Logic. Proposal Logic is a woman-owned, minority-owned small business located just outside Nashville, Tennessee, serving federal contractors with proposal management and technical writing expertise. Since 2011, A.J. has served more than 150 federal contractors on proposals for more than 200 federal agencies. While average win rates for federal proposal developers rest around 35%, AJ finished 2020 with an astounding 100% win rate for her clients. So stop losing conventionally and start winning unconventionally. If you are a federal contractor and you are ready to win government contracts, contact AJ at 615-474-2123. Again, that is 615-474-2123. Or you can email her at aj at proposalogic.com. Again, that is aj at proposalogic.com. 
P-R-O-P-O-S-A-L-O-G-I-C.com. Now on to the topic of the week, lies. As I said, some followers submitted some good lies that the aristocracy told during their campaigns. The sniffer-in-chief told some whoppers, and he continues to tell them. We will cover down on some of those a bit later, as well as the other lies that are coming out of our nation's capital and that they force down our throats. First, I'm going to go over some of the lies that our current governor of the great state of Tennessee told during his campaign. Just to show you that it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you claim to be from, lies are equal opportunity items or equal opportunity tools for the aristocracy. Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, socialist, it doesn't matter. Our current form of government has turned into a profession that people engage in only to enrich themselves. I guess it's the second oldest profession, if you know what I mean. And it's quite similar to the first. Once in office, it is very rare that one of the aristocracy stays there to be a servant leader to the people that elected them. Our founding fathers might have put just too much trust in the electorate, never envisioning that it would become as lazy and apathetic as it has in the last couple of decades. Or maybe not, though. They did give us methods to fix the course of our government in Article 5 of the Constitution. That article codifies the right of the states to alter the federal government that has gotten out of control. If you have not heard about Convention of States, please investigate it. Get involved. I periodically share their content on my social media and in my blog. I believe that a convention of states may be our only safe and bloodless path to regain control of the government. But back to Governor Lee in the great state of Tennessee. When running for governor, he published a list of campaign promises that he would be running on. He called it the 10 for 10 pledge. 10 key points for Tennessee. And he ran for and was elected to office in 2018. So that means he's been in office for a little bit more than two years now. It's not a lot of time in office. And he sure has not done as much damage to the state as Sleepy Joe has done to the country in his just over 100 days in office. But still, we must look to his campaign promises. Those are the promises or items he told the voters he was going to work on and do and accomplish so that they would vote for him so he could do and accomplish them. One of his key campaign promises was to get tough on the state budget by making government smaller and more efficient. Let's go over the budgets for the last few years. The 2019-2020 budget for Tennessee was $38.6 billion. For the 2020-2021 budget, it was $40.8 billion. That's a $2.2 billion increase over his first full year in office. We follow that up with the current 2021-2022 budget, which is $41.8 billion. But on a side note here, Those billions of dollars, roughly a third of that budget, comes from federal money. But that's for a future episode. But it is one of the reasons why states fail to assert their proper position in relationship with the federal government. It's because they become addicted to federal money. And that federal money, where does it come from? Well, you and I, of course. But that increase in budget every year since his election sure does sound like a whole bunch of getting tough on the state budget, doesn't it? I can't imagine where we would be if he promised to be soft on the budget. Again, all monies that are appropriated for government budgets first come from we, the taxpayers. 
from state taxes to federal taxes through the middleman of Uncle Sam. That is our sweat equity. And luckily, here in the state of Tennessee, we don't have an income tax. Can you imagine the out-of-control spending that would occur if our state government taxed our incomes as well as the federal government? I mean, all you have to do is look at the liberal states that have a state income tax. They all suffer from out-of-control spending with an ever-increasing thirst for more and more of our liberty. Thank goodness I left to steal your wealth of Virginia when I retired to live here in God's country. On that issue, I was asked by a few people about how I could compete with other lifelong Tennesseans if I decided to seek office in Tennessee. Well, the best way I can answer that is, while I might not be from Tennessee, I did come here as fast as I could. These lifelong Tennesseans grew up in this state and stayed here. I chose to come here. I could have retired to any of the 50 states in our constitutional republic, but it wasn't really a difficult decision. Tennessee is the volunteer state, and all of my adult life was volunteer service to my country. It was the only natural choice. But back to our illustrious governor. Here's another one of his campaign promises. And I quote, Ensure new voices in Nashville by passing term limits and the challenging influence culture of outsiders. That's a mouthful there, isn't it? A simple Google search cannot locate any legislation the governor proposed or even any bill that was considered in the state assembly that would impose term limits on themselves. The state Assembly did pass a joint resolution supporting an Article 5 convention of the states that seeks to pass a constitutional amendment that would establish term limits on members of Congress, but nothing here at the state level. You must wonder, not really, why there are no term limits on legislative branches of government at the state and federal level. Remember, all laws are written by the legislative branch. The power of the purse resides in the legislatures. That's the tax and spend power. Staying in power is necessary to them. Limiting terms for the executive branch is necessary for the legislature to stay in power as well. They cannot afford to have an executive that believes the constitutions of the U.S. and their state are designed to limit power. I think that's one of the reasons why Congress and our state assembly will not consider term limits, because it would limit their power, limit their ability to enrich themselves off of our sweat equity. I think this next campaign promise of Governor Lee is completely hilarious. It's number 9 of 10, and it states, defend our constitutional liberties without compromise. Where do we begin with that one? How about the recently passed bill his administration and other feckless lawmakers in Nashville called the Constitutional Carry Bill? Nothing about it resembles the right of the people to keep and bear arms. It really is just a permitless carry law, which in itself can cause the firearm carrier to unintentionally break the law by carrying a firearm into prohibited locations. We learned all about that when Mr. John Harris was on as a guest a couple episodes ago. That permitless carry has the unintended consequence of charging people or allowing people to commit crimes that they're not aware of. 
So when our United States Constitution states shall not be infringed, these clowns in Nashville must have found in the subscript somewhere on the Bill of Rights age restrictions saying that 18 to 20-year-old citizens can't carry. Their right to keep and bear arms can be infringed. So that's definitely without compromise, isn't it? Or how about the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution, which guarantees a constitutional liberty? It's part of the Bill of Rights. Has he stood up to the federal government and asserted Tennessee's position in relationship with D.C.? More often than not, it seems he has rolled over at every opportunity. Dr. Carol Swain, during his campaign, properly noted when Bill Lee was running against Diane Black that he was not the right pick for our state. He's a rhino, but we're stuck with him until the next election. Maybe we can persuade him to act like the governor we elected him to be or find a suitable, more constitutional governor to replace him. Here's number 10 of 10 of his campaign promises. Enforce the rule of law on immigration. We all know how laughable that one is. He is allowing the federal government to flood our state with illegal aliens, and it's all done in the dead of night. So is Governor Lee keeping his 10 for 10 promises? Or were those just lies that he told to get elected? You be the judge of that. Is Governor Lee compromised, or has he been coerced? Either way, he's not performing his constitutional duties. Let's pause for a word from another supporter of this podcast. For all my listeners that live in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia, I want to give a huge shout out to one of my all-time favorite car mechanics and longtime good friend, Glenn Moser. He is a supporter of this podcast and the owner-operator of Professional Auto, located at 5900 Thurston Avenue, Suite Alpha, in Virginia Beach. Phone number is 757-962-0102. Not only is Glenn an extremely talented mechanic, but he is also a great American and a staunch supporter of our constitutional rights. My family and I relied on Glenn and Professional Auto for all of our vehicle needs when we lived in the Hampton Roads, Virginia area. Quality work at a fair price and service with a smile are what you will receive when you take your vehicle to Professional Auto. I encourage all my listeners there in the Hampton Roads area to look them up if your car needs work. Again, that is Professional Auto, 5900 Thurston Avenue, Suite Alpha in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and the phone number is 757-962-0102. Now let's move on to the sniffer-in-chief. He has told and continues to tell some big lies. During a recent interview with a White House staffer to commemorate the dementia patient's 100-day in office, he told a reporter, and I quote, At his 100-day mark, Biden is the most liberal president we've had, and the public thinks he's a moderate. That staffer continued with, That's a winning strategy to me. The staffer also acknowledges a point we constantly talk about on this podcast. Let's see if you get it when I read the quote. He goes on to say, and I quote, They're willing to accept that you're going to write this piece as long as they know that swing voters in Colorado aren't going to read it. Did you hear the implication in that quote? Yep. 
the staffer and the administration counts on the apathy of the electorate. Even when somebody in the media accidentally reports the truth. The lies of this administration and their media enablers have the public believing that the sniffer-in-chief is a moderate instead of the radical liberal he is. Well, he might actually not be a liberal because of his quite obvious by now onset of dementia prevents him from coherent action. I know that, that's a kind of a quandary because liberalism is a mental disorder just like dementia and he suffers from both apparently. His handlers sure are liberal and they are the true puppet masters. The weak old charlatan man behind the curtain of the great wizard of Oz. That's what Joe Biden is. Well, let's go to his campaign. Let's talk about his position on fracking. He wouldn't ban it, right? He, his campaign, and the media handlers told the public that wasn't true. They went to great lengths to try and debunk this. Well, how did that work out for us? The enablers in the media still won't admit that he's banning fracking. Or they'll caveat it with it. It's only on federal lands. They flat out said he wouldn't ban fracking. And what's he do in the first 100 days in office? Well, he bans it. And it's priceless or sad or depressing that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, bought this lie. Especially the voters in Pennsylvania that have a huge stake in the oil and gas industry. People rely on it for their livelihoods. But hey, at least we don't have mean tweets anymore. Nope, we just have dictatorial ones that say, get a vaccine or wear a mask. Or how about the lie that he told the public that he was never involved in his crackhead son's business dealings? More and more evidence has come to light that that is a lie. In fact, the evidence was out there before the election. But did most of the country see it or hear about it? Nope. The media handlers to the rescue again. Lying to us and telling us that every bit of information that was coming out about Hunter Biden was just part of some Russian disinformation campaign. Well, how's that working out for us now? His crackhead son has even landed a gig at a university teaching a course on fake news. <laughs> is it that rich? You know who the two biggest benefactors of fake news are in our country? The duo of Joe and Hunter Biden. The big guy and crackhead. You know, the deadbeat dad. It saddens me that our free press has denigrated themselves to such a level. Look at how they are now pivoting on the origins of the Wuhan virus. Lies by Biden. Lies by his son. Lies by his campaign. Lies by his administration. Lies peddled and enhanced by the media handlers of the liberal aristocracy. How about this lie that he told to get elected? Student loan forgiveness. That's another thing that saddens me. Our electorate has become so lazy, so accustomed to government as their savior, that they must save them from the poor decisions they make. I'm going to take out a multi-thousand dollar loan for a degree that will be worthless, and I need somebody else to pay it back. How about those people that did work hard, that paid for their student loans already? that actually got a degree that mattered. Nothing like underwater basket weaving. But no, our lazy electorate needs government to save them from the high cost of education. 
And that high cost of education is only that way because of government involvement in the first place. I mean, if the government guarantees student loans, how much do you think higher education facilities will charge in tuition? Well, they'll charge as high as possible because they're guaranteed to get their money. The federal government will pay the loan, even if the student declares bankruptcy. But back to that student loan forgiveness. Did the sniffer-in-chief include it in his first budget proposal? Of course not. He only told that so he could get votes. And his budget, woo, him and his radical administration are focused on redefining infrastructure to pay for every pet project under the sun. And of course, the aristocracy pays for these projects by first taking that money from us. We are being lied to by this redefining of infrastructure. I mean, all you have to do is explore these aristocracy social media posts. Apparently, childcare is infrastructure. Internet is infrastructure. Paid leave is infrastructure. Healthcare is infrastructure. Housing is infrastructure. Elder care is infrastructure. Education is infrastructure. The aristocracy will leave no new definition behind if it means they can pass legislation that will take your sweat equity, yours and my sweat equity, away from us. That's our liberty. They'll also take away our personal responsibility. Of course, we would be remiss if we didn't point out the lie by omission from old sniffer-in-chief. How about when President Dementia refused to give an answer on packing the Supreme Court? Well, America, how's that working out for you now? There's a commission to study this, right? You know how these commissions work. They're going to make some recommendations that we need 53 judges. Of course, that's another slippery slope. If that becomes the new standard, in a generation, we could have a Supreme Court that consists of more justices than there are members of the House of Representatives. Both political parties will play tit-for-tat with the number of Supreme Court justices. And just how did we get to the point where the makeup of the Supreme Court is such a fight is beyond me. Because the Supreme Court has far exceeded their Article Three constitutional authority for decades now. Thomas Jefferson said, and I'm quoting here, to consider the judges of the Superior Court, which means the U.S. Supreme Court, as the ultimate arbiters of constitutional questions would be a dangerous doctrine which would place us under the despotism of an oligarchy. I know no safe depository of the ultimate powers of society but the people themselves. So our founding fathers warned us of this reliance on the Supreme Court hundreds of years ago. And yet here we are in a nearly life-and-death struggle of who sits on that court. They have claimed unconstitutional powers since their Marbury versus Madison decision. Why is this lie perpetuated? Of course, power. Our aristocracy now constantly fights over this institution because the court has captured power, not rightfully its own, and it is enabled by the other two branches of government in attempts to gain supremacy over the other. Our founding fathers would not recognize the government we have today as something they designed and passed on the responsibility to us to maintain. This is another great reason that the states need to convene a convention of states under Article 5 of the Constitution. It needs to rein in the federal government, all three branches, 
legislative, executive, and judiciary. So, this administration has lied to we the people about several items, all to get elected. They lied about student loan forgiveness. They lied about fracking, packing the Supreme Court, Hunter Biden's crackhead behavior and dubious business dealings. Lied about the president himself being involved in his crackhead son's businesses. They've lied about $2,000 COVID relief checks. They lied about a $15 minimum wage. They lied about not killing the Keystone Pipeline. Oh yeah, remember he shut that down, but he removed sanctions on the Russian pipeline that were in place. Wait a minute now. I thought it was the last president that worked with the Russians to the detriment of America. I must be confused. They lied about not putting kids in cages. Boy, that was a whopper, huh? Although it probably was not Dementia Joe's intention to put kids in cages, his reckless anti-border position resulted in a flood of illegal aliens that necessitated an unimaginable number of kids in cages. I guess dementia really does alter your cognitive thought about the unintended consequences of your actions. Also, after months of denigrating President Trump's plan on handling COVID-19 by stating that Trump did not have a plan and that he had one that would start day one in office, he stated this just a couple months ago. There's nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months. Wait, what happened? Did his dementia-riddled mind forget about the plan he was constantly touting during the campaign? Was he so befuddled by his win, like a majority of Americans are, that he forgot his day one plan on COVID? That, of course, brings up an old topic, lies we tell ourselves. There are many Americans today that refuse to admit to themselves that it is a near impossibility that sleepy Joe Biden generated the enthusiasm required to get the most votes for president in American history. 81 million votes. i got to tell you, it's really sad to see that too. See them lie to themselves. But their hatred of orange man bad keeps them in a constant state of denying the truth of a fraudulent, at the worst, but a completely inept election at the best. What's going to happen when all this fraud is exposed? Or what's going to happen when all these errors are exposed? Will they admit it to themselves then? And these audits that are going on right now, they're exposing the lies. Maybe they're so afraid their worldview being shattered is the reason they're attacking these audits so vehemently. They would rather believe the lie because it keeps them comfortable. They, the sufferers of liberalism and supporters of power, differ from Thomas Jefferson, who said, I would rather be exposed to the inconveniences of attending too much liberty than to those attending too small a degree of it. They cannot contemplate the inconveniences of attending to too much liberty. Too much truth. Our current administration ascended to its position on a mountain of lies. Lies they concocted yet were spread and propped up by a completely enabling media. All for the purpose of attaining power. All for the purpose of denying the American people our liberty. 
And the lies we're going to talk about here will not be limited to just the governor and the president, because, of course, they are not the only members of the aristocracy that lie to their constituents. We will cover senators and representatives as well. As a preview, I'm just sitting here looking at my email inbox folders that I have for Senator Blackburn and Senator Haggerty for the great state of Tennessee. You all know that I correspond quite regularly with my elected representatives, as it is my duty and responsibility to do. Since the middle of January this year, I have sent Senator Haggerty 31 emails. Can you guess how many have received a response other than, and here I'm going to quote his typical response, Thank you for contacting me. I have received your message and I will review and consider it in a timely fashion. I value your thoughts and appreciate your willingness to share them. Sincerely, Bill Haggerty, U.S. Senator for Tennessee. Like I said, I sent him 31 emails and I received that exact response 26 times. The other five responses were form letters with the same exact wording he sent to other constituents. So now that I've told you that, do you think Senator Haggerty as he stated in his response to me, really values my thoughts and appreciates my willingness to share them with him? I think the answer is obvious. It's just more examples of the aristocracy lying to their constituents. Most constituents will do a one-and-done email to their senators, not expecting to receive anything back. Or when they do receive that response back, they're just happy that their senator paid attention to them. It's just another example, too, of Senator Haggerty not being the servant leader he was elected to be. Before we close the show, I would like to leave you with this from God's Word. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are His delight. Why do we, who are made in God's image, continue to tolerate the lying lips of the aristocracy? Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, so too should they be to us, especially when those lies are told to steal from us our God-given right of liberty. Seek out and encourage those who would be your servant leader and take delight in those who deal with us faithfully. We need to properly vet those people that seek these positions of great responsibility, these positions of servant leadership. And then once they do get in those positions, we need to hold them accountable. Until next week, Reveille, it's time to wake up.